0: Yager in front of the Penguin bench, wrapped up with Malkin. Yager, good second effort to keep it alive. Marsh on over the line, left side, feeds it in front. Tim score! Patrice Bergeron in double overtime, and the Bruins lead the series three games to none. It's the Sports Talk podcast with Ryan Forham giving you the hottest sports takes in town. You can reach Ryan through Facebook, email, and Twitter. Pencil. <laughs> Now it's time to start the show. Here's Ryan. What is going on, everybody? We are back with the Sports Talk Podcast, and that is what it sounded like last night as the Boston Bruins take the 3-0 series lead against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals. Hope everyone's having a good day. We welcome you back to the Sports Talk Podcast. I promise to episode every single week and we are back this week with an, another episode the second episode of the summer again that is what it sounded like last night on 985 of the sports up, Dave Gosher's call I do want to give credit and uh do want to give credit to where that uh, sounder came from 98.5 FM WBZ FM Boston and so that is what it sounded like last night and the last time that I was on here, I talked about, you know, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about the next time on the on the next episode because of uh, the games that were going to be played. And so here we are, Bruins up 3-0. I said going into this series it was going to be a tough series, but the Bruins were probably... I felt that the Bruins would win and that it was probably going to go 7. Because how could you pick this you know prolific offense of the Pittsburgh Penguins to go anything less than 7? And now the Bruins are up 3-0, so... I mean, I don't want to say I told you so, but what did I say going in? I said that Pittsburgh has never played a team like the Bruins in the playoffs. I go from the Claude Julien era. That's what I'm calling it. And from 2008, when they went to the Cup, they won it in 09. That was the first year that the Bruins had coach. That was the first year that Claude Julien was the Bruins head coach. So that was his first season in Boston. That was the first season that Pittsburgh really started to get it together. That was the year they went to the Cup against Detroit. They lost in 08. They won it in 09. So in that span of playoff series for either team in that whole era. Pittsburgh has never played a team like Boston. And I said that going in, and I said, you know, they they were going to surprise them. The Bruins were going to surprise the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I kind of said that it was a Homer-ish call because it's like, oh, yeah, they haven't played a team. It's true. And, I mean, you've you've seen it. It's just like they've been having fits up and down the ice in all facets of the game, especially on the defensive end. They, they, They... first two games, that they just didn't show up on the defensive side, on the puck, they just did not show up, no back-checking whatsoever, they were just horrible defensively, and they just, they, they did not have an answer for the for the Boston Bruins, and like I said, going in, it's just, they've they never played a team like the Bruins, and it's different, man, when it's the regular season, it's a different game, you know, because the Bruins are, you know, they're not a great regular season team, you know, sort of middle of the pack, I mean, the only good time they actually had a regular season that was worthy and actually dominated was 09 when they almost won the president's trophy if if it hadn't been for San Jose O West they were first in the conference that year so usually they kind of have okay regular seasons and they go through really 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 rough patches throughout the regular season so games in the regular season that's what a lot of people were basing this on oh the Penguins have destroyed them in the regular season it doesn't matter Playoffs are different, man, and the Bruins are showing why. Because they are they they were dominating, you know, after that first period on up until Game 3 last night, they dominated this series. I'll give you the first period for the Penguins. They pretty much manhandled the Bruins in that first period. But, you know, after that, Bruins clamped down defensively. Penguins had no answer. So, I mean, you know, they've taken it to them, and they've shocked them, and then they've surprised them. And so, that you know, that's basically what they've done. And, you know, they punched them in the mouth. And I'm not saying that Pittsburgh's a tough team, but I thought that they were going to fight back just a little bit more. And they basically blindsided them. You know, Pittsburgh really didn't know what to do up until last night. Now, last night, you watched the game, you know that Pittsburgh came back. And Dan Bowles, my after game two six one 6-1 score on the board. He knew that something had to be different. And there was a wide open game that they were trying to play in the first couple of games, Pittsburgh. So he knew that that had to change because they weren't going to win that way with the Bruins. Against the Bruins, it's always a tough physical matchup. The toughest team in the NHL. So you can't just go, you know, fly by the seat of your pants all night along with this team because they're going to clamp down defensively and you're not going to be able to do anything. So Bilesma and the Penguins knew that they needed to try something different here. And that's exactly what they did last night because it was a close game. (laughs) You know, 1-1 game, double overtime. They definitely clamped down defensively. Tomas Vacun amazing. Tomas Vacun was, you know, he was on last night. He was really, really good. He he saw 40 shots against him, uh, 38 and 40. He was really good. I I mean, the play from Tomas Vacun was good. I mean, if you had put on Marc-Andre Fleury after that first goal, I mean, I think the Krejci goal, because they weren't doing anything special on that first Krejci goal. They were just throwing it in front of the net. And... When things are going good, things are going really good because all Krejci was doing is just trying to put it on net and it just squeaks by Vokun. So, not much skill on that. He didn't really beat him. You know, it wasn't really an effective shot. It just was, you know, going towards the net, it just angled in. So, it, it you know, if that was flurry after a shot like that, series over right there. But Vokun, man, man, he played excellent. Vokun was good. And so was Tuka Rask. And we'll get to him certainly later on uh, in the program. You know, and it just goes back to this idea of the the Bruins just imposing their toughness on this team. And, you know, Game 2, more of an example of how unprepared Pittsburgh was. It started right off at the beginning of the game, the Crosby mistake, and it's just like, you know, you can't do that against the Bruins because they don't have a lot of the skilled guys like, you know, the Crosby, the Malkins, but if you give them the opportunity, like a guy like Marshawn, he's going to roof that shot. If you give him a breakaway opportunity like that, so it just showed that, you need to play a different style of game with the Bruins. And you can't just keep doing what you're doing. And I think it was a lot of it, too, is because they thought it was going to come easy, the Pittsburgh team. They thought that they were just going to be able to come in, show up, and win. And that's not how it goes against the Bruins team. I know I'm kind of sounding like I'm a Bruins uh, homer here, but it's true. You, you can't do that. It's The Bruins are too tough on the defense. So they needed to change it up, and they did. They played well enough to win the game last night, and they just couldn't. And so, you know, last night... Great hockey game overall. It was a great hockey game to watch, and you know, not a lot of scoring. So I know a lot of people won't like that, but at least for me, I thought it was a great game. You know, chances at both sides, late penalties, and you know, let let's address that too. Too too many ice, too many men on the ice. Excuse me, penalties for the Bruins in this game. There was one in the second period, and there was one in the second overtime. So, oh man, th- those are killers. And that was the another time where. The Bruins had another too many men on the ice. Of course, you remember in game number four against New York late in that game, too many men on the ice. Mental mistakes from this Bruins team. That's exactly what kills them. I've been saying it all season long. I've been saying it for the past couple of years, ever since I've been on radio. It's the mental mistakes that kill this team. It's those mental hiccups that kill this team. Turnovers, not knowing who's supposed to be coming off, and you know, it hurt them a couple times in this game. As far as the penalties go, didn't put it in the back of the net, however. And I think if you know Pittsburgh penalty, if Genny Malkin First overtime, eighteen twenty three in the first overtime, if the Bruins put one in the back of the net there, that rule is out of the book. And that's exactly what I said I was like, if the Bruins score here to win, that rule's gone. Because I mean Eastern Conference finals. So I mean you're battling with the team's livelihood on the line in a game like that and you're gonna you know it's gonna end on a you know, a delay of game call. That that would have been bad, but it did not turn out that way. So I think the biggest story of last night's game is took rask. I mean Tuka I gave you the numbers, I'll give them to you again, 54 shots, man, he, and just, it was unbelievable, I, the total shot totals for Pittsburgh, obviously 54, 40 for the Bruins, so obviously Pittsburgh getting more shots to the net, it was a desperation game, so I mean, you saw that coming, but his stats going into last night were actually better than Thomas's in 2011, and I don't have the stats in front of me, I was gonna get them, and I couldn't find them, but... I was, you know, I read, I saw this on Comcast Sportsnet New England. They put his stats up comparison side by side with Tim Thomas and him up to that point going into last night, which I believe it would have been 13 games. And they were actually better than Tim Thomas's and it brings up the point of why isn't anyone talking about him? Because his numbers are better than Tim Thomas, but nobody's talking about him being better than Tim Thomas. And it's just because of his demeanor. Tim Thomas was a very, oh man, I mean, he was always out of his crease. He just sort of had that style. He was, he was a, he was a wild goaltender. And when you're that wild goaltender and you're always out of your crease and you're chasing pucks down and you're trying to cut off angles and you're going out there to make huge, huge saves all the time, you're going to get noticed. But Watuka Rask, he's doing it without anybody really noticing him because he's just calm, he's cool, he's collected when he's making saves back there, doesn't really talk too much in the media, not really, I mean, he's just sort of like a normal guy back there, which is rare for a goaltender, but that's sort of what he is, he's just like a normal guy. And so that's why nobody notices it. But that was the story last night. And that is a career-defining game for Tuukka Rask last night. Double overtime, 54 shots. Again, and on the other side of the ice, you got the best players in the world. Sidney Crosby, best player in the world. Evgeny Malkin, one of the best players in the world. Jerome McGinley, Brandon Moore. I mean, you just go down the list. He was able... It wasn't just, you know, the, the freaking Tampa Bay Lightning that he was facing. He was facing the best team in the league. The Pittsburgh Penguins. And he turned all the shots away except for one, and he outlasted two overtime. so, I mean, it was, that's, that's the game where you, I mean, he's had some games like that in the postseason, um, up to this point already, I mean, he had one in game one where he blanked them 3 nothing. but that's the game, and I, I'm, and I'm sure that there's going to be more games this postseason where we're going to say this, but at least for me, that's the game where you look to it and it's like, that's it, that's the guy. He is an unbelievable goaltender, and he is one of the best in the league, and he's one of the best we've ever seen. That's it. That's the moment. That's our guy. That's our future. Pay him whatever the hell you want, whatever he wants, because that's the guy. And that was just one of those games last night. He was making unbelievable saves, and, I mean, you know, just to get to the puck, and, I mean, just to always be there, and it's just the little things. that They're not necessarily as flashy as Tim Thomas, so that's why maybe you don't notice him either, but he's just always there making the stops, and so... I mean, just another glorious game for Chuka Rask last night. And like I was saying, Volkun was amazing as well, but it's a tough break for him at the end. And, you know, Jaromir Yager, no goals yet, but I mean, man, oh man, if he isn't the best playmaker that this Bruins team has seen over the past couple playoff runs, I don't know what is because he just set a you know, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful play along the boards. Facing Evgeny Malkin, who's, you know, bigger than him, younger than him, faster than him, probably stronger than him at this point in his age, this point in his life. And he beats him. He beats Evgeny Malkin on the boards. I mean, this guy's 41 years old, and he's still going out there in a double overtime situation. He's still grinding for pucks. And you know, not only does he beat Evgeny Malkin, but he's able to get the pass out to Brad Marchand. It was a nice looking pass. And the thing that I love on that play is he didn't give up. He did not give up. And Evgeny Malkin was chasing him. He lost the puck initially along the boards. So he did not give up. And that's the play right there. So it's so like Yager. That's what we got you for. I really wanted that that play that we say, that's what we got you for, to be a goal. You know, I would have loved to see him get that, you know, an overtime winner, but it's going to come eventually. There will be a goal along the lines where it's like, there you go. Yeah, that's why you're here. But if that was a play last night too. Just to stay with the play, to not give up, and just to pass it right in. You hear the goal call at the beginning of the show. That was it. And, and that was really the most defining, you know, piece of this game. It was just sort of like, both teams played so close, and... It was just a play like that. Hockey is a game of inches, too. You know, you say that about a lot of sports, but hockey is a game of inches as well because two inches to the right, that's a, that goes wide. And it's just like all these goals, that all these great chances, and that's the one that ends up going into the back of the net. It was just a, such a tough break for Tomas Fokun because he played a stellar game. And it was just a little tip in there by Patrice Bergeron. And it's the difference between having a series and the Bruins being up 3-0. So the Bruins are up 3-0 now. Another thing that I want to talk about, too, is Gregory Campbell. And I tweeted this out during the game. You know, G- Campbell's actions explain why I hate NBA players. Because NBA players, collectively now... I got into a Twitter argument with somebody on Twitter. <laughs> collectively, because they brought up, oh, Kobe Bryant played with a broken leg or whatever the hell it was. Oh, Rajon Rondo. Yeah, okay, maybe there's certain instances where NBA players are tough. But collectively, NBA players are just whiny, crying babies that, you know, wouldn't be able to even... Sniff going onto the ice, much less actually playing with heart and, and, and toughness. You know, just watch what Craig Campbell's doing out there. Everyone was cheery. Everyone was standing at a broken leg, and he's still out there trying to trying to block a shot. I, I I guarantee if somebody wound up with a slap shot that was anywhere near him, even if he already had the broken leg, he still would have done it in front of it. I mean, he definitely did take a puck away from one of the point men. He, he was able to poke it away. So... I mean, that's what it is. That's what hockey is all about. I love it. And it's just like, you know, you can have your stupid basketball and your stupid NBA and your stupid league. I'll take hockey any day for plays like that and for players like that and for you know, toughness and grit and heart like that. That's why I love hockey. That's why it's the best sport on the planet. And that's why nothing will ever beat it. Sure, the NBA is more popular than the NHL. But you know what? NBA sucks. <laughs> I say this all the time. It's true. I don't care how popular the NBA is. Just because everyone loves it doesn't mean that it's good, and that's why hockey is so much better than the NBA. Just look at it right there, and um, that was just an amazing play. So, as far as the series, is it over? Uh, You know, the way I look at it last night, it's a demoralizing loss for the Penguins because you got to think, all right, 2-0, we got to get back on track. Danny Bilesma says, okay, we're we're clamping it down here. Defense is our main priority, and they go through. They play with the Bruins tough. They match him defensively. Not a lot of mistakes, and they get into double overtime. They basically are doing everything right. They hit a, a ton of posts last night. I mean, the Evgeny Malkin one really sticks out in my mind. Is just, you know, what do we have to do to win, and... To go all that way, to get so many chances and double overtime, you change up your game plan completely 100%, and to go all that way and then to lose, that's demoralizing for me. So I think that takes the wind right out of the sails of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Any sort of momentum that they were going to have from you know playing a good game or anything like that, it's gone because not only did you lose and now you're down 3-0, but just the way you lost, the way that you took it all the way to double overtime, and to lose like that, I mean... That's a demoralizing loss for me. Now, is the series over? The Bruins gonna win in game four coming up on Friday night? I would love to see them do it. I would love to see them end this on Friday, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, but I don't know if that's gonna happen. I am not. I don't know which way yet. I don't know which way I'm leading. Um, but I'll just say this. You know, I don't think it's gonna be a sweep, but I don't see the Bruins losing the series. I don't see the Bruins, even if... the penguins win this one and it goes back to pittsburgh i do not see the bruins losing this series so that's how i'll say it um so yeah there we go with the bruins quicker show along the way today i had a huge show last week um it was like 42 minutes so we're gonna do a little bit of a quicker show we're gonna get right into the talk to take next and it's gonna be about nba games Excuse me, not NBA games. I'm never going to talk about the NBA in depth. Um, MLB games, baseball games are too long. We're going to take a little bit of a uh, a baseball turn here because we haven't talked baseball since uh, everybody came back, since the summer has started with the, the revival of the Sports Talk podcast. So we're going to talk baseball here and um, get into to the um, length of baseball games. If you want to see right up to game five, my predictions, um, of course, always follow me on Twitter at twelve. We'll be back with the length of baseball games and did they need to be changed? That's next on Sports Talk. We're back in here on Sports Talk today on this uh, Thursday, June 6th, year 2013. Hope everyone's having a good day and a good week. Definitely, if you're a Bruins fan, you got to be having a good week. Three games to none, uh, but we're going to move on from the Bruins here and talk a little MLB. A lot of discussion over the past week or so has been coming up that, you know, major league baseball games are just too long, and I obviously wholeheartedly agree. I don't even remember the last time it was where I actually sat down and watched a full baseball game. A lot of it has to do with playoffs, because this is my thing with me. The only way I can actually watch a baseball game or a Red Sox game is if it's the playoffs, which we haven't had that in a long time, or if it's like a Fox Saturday baseball sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, something like that, where it's like, you know, a national broadcast. If it's Red Sox-Yankees, a national broadcast on a Saturday or something like that, or if it's ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, I you know, I might be able to, but that's really the only scenario. I cannot watch Nesson, you know, a Red Sox road game. Oh, it's the Twins and the Red Sox from Target Field. Nothing against Nesson and nothing against, you know, Donner thing. I just can't watch. It's just, it's too boring. And you know what I mean? Because and I know everyone does this. You're sitting there, you're watching baseball. And it's just like, hmm wonder what's on my DVR, oh yeah, that's right, I forgot to watch, you know, the Game of Thrones this week, or whatever the hell shows you guys watch, you know what I mean, or or you're just like, hmm, I wonder what's on the guide, oh, you know, reruns of Seinfeld, that's much more entertaining than watching this, so, I mean, I think it's a problem that stretches across all MLB, and it's that the games are way too long, you know, they just are, games are so long, And I'm reading from a piece here from the Bleacher Report. Great website, by the way. If you do not read Bleacher Report, I suggest you do. Strongly suggest you do. I read it every single day. It's, you know, a bunch of blogs from a ton of people all across the nation. Great stuff on there. Every single league. You know, just definitely go check it out. Um, I love it personally. This actually comes from last year, July 27, 2012. So, it's a year old, but it's still very, very relevant to today. It talks about the length of games 30 years ago. The average length of a game is two hours and forty-five minutes, and then it and then it goes on to say, starting in 2012, the number grew a little more than two hours and 50 minutes per game, and it has not fallen below the 250 mark. So it keeps growing. A lot of the discussion has to do with, well, how can you shorten these games? Because you know it's the whole thing of, well, you know the advertisements. You know you play less commercials. You know th- that's already pre-planned. So I mean, if you don't know how that work, how that works, you know, you know companies and you know they're going to get their advertisements out there anyway so it doesn't really matter you know t- taking less commercials that's not really going to solve anything because they're always going to be able to work around it to get the ads that they want to put out there so leave out the ads leave out all that stuff what are some uh I guess you know scenarios that you can work on to fix this problem of the games being too long and and I forgot to mention this Adam Writer, correspondent for Bleacher Report is the one that wrote this so he lists a couple of things, and I agree with some of the things he's, that he uh, does uh, in this piece. Not everything, but a couple of things. The, the first thing that I think is just... The, the main reasons that are wrong with baseball against the pitchers take too long to throw the goddamn ball. And I mean, we all know that Josh Beckett was a was the worst defender of this. So I think that a pitch clock is the most important addition, and he goes on here. Now, his number one reason, use slash enforce a pitch clock. And I certainly agree. I think a pitch clock would help everyone out, and... It would keep pitchers honest, it would keep hitters honest, you know, hitters wouldn't be taking too long to take a break, you know, pitchers wouldn't be taking too long to throw the ball, basically simple, umpires can enforce it, however many seconds you want to put on the clock, and if a pitcher can't deliver a pitch before the clock goes to zero, it's a ball. Obviously, if the batter takes too long warming up or whatever the hell he does, it's a strike. And that's sort of how it works. And if you enforce it, it will work. Like anything, if you enforce it, it's going to work. If you just basically throw it out there and you let pitchers, you know, sort of say, oh, that's not fair, then it's not going to do anything. But if you actually enforce it and you say, you know, the pitcher is taking too long. If you have, like, Josh Beckett and he's taking way too long, clock goes to zero, ball one. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? You restart the clock and you keep going. You say, "That? Do you see that clock out there, Beckett? It's going to keep going. So until you throw a pitch over the plate, until you get rid of it before that clock goes, it's going to be a ball. So you can keep standing there all day long. We don't care. We'll just keep racking them up. We'll keep blowing the bases. We'll keep sending runners in until you throw a pitch in the allotted time. And so I think that that's how it needs to be as far as a pitch clock. And we'll keep the pace of the game a lot better. It, it certainly will. Because there are just guys that work faster. Cliff Lee works. He's a fast pitcher. He just works fast. He gets balls over the strike zone. So, and he he's just a fast worker. And so, you watch a game like that. And it's just like, man, why can't every game be like that? Because these games are basically stretching into the three-hour mark. I believe I did not have this year's numbers. I know that this year's numbers for the Red Sox are at least three hours. I've been averaging at least three hours. I believe it's longer than three hours. So, there you go. Um, One of his second reasons is limit warm-up pitches to five. Uh, Okay, Um, but he goes on to say, I thought it was funny. I'll read it for you. During an average game, depending on whether or not there's a bottom of the ninth, pitchers will walk out to the mound and throw eight warm-up pitches 17 to 18 times before the half inning officially starts. That's 136 plus pitches being thrown that do nothing but get the pitcher loose. If those pictures are to get him loose, then what is he doing in the bullpen for hours before the game starts, churning butter? <laughs> so, just something a little funny there, but it's true. You know, limit the limit those. I'm all set for that. Certainly, uh, I have no I have no problems with that at all. Signaling for an intentional walk, perfect. There you go. And then he goes on to say, it's a waste of time having all four balls of an intentional walk thrown if you simply have a manager or catcher or the pitcher himself even that a batter is going to be intentionally walked, why not have one ball thrown to represent an intentional walk? It works in baseball video games, so why couldn't it work in real life? True. So, there's another reason why games are too long. All in all, it's driving away the casual fan, because who's going to want to sit down and watch a baseball game? Like I said, I don't watch baseball games. Um, Like I said, unless it's the playoffs, because there's not much intrigue. There's really nothing there, because it's just so goddamn boring. So, if you made these changes and it was more faster and the pace was a lot better, I'd watch. Because, you know, baseball, baseball's not my favorite sport, don't get me wrong. I don't love it, love it, but I am a hardcore fan. I'll, I'll never go away from the game. You know, it's not my, my all-time favorite. It's not my overarching favorite sport, but I still love it. I still love the pure game, but it's just the major Major League Baseball now is just making it really unwatchable. And it's not like NBA unwatchable. No, 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 no. I'd rather watch 18 hours of baseball straight than watch one minute of the NBA. But I think that it's driving away the casual fans. It's driving away the kids that are going to eventually, you know, carry the sport into the next generation. If you're driving those kids away, then what are you going to do? Kids are choosing to play, you know, football and hockey because it's a lot quicker. You know, and it's a lot faster and there's more action. They don't want to play baseball because it's boring. So... You know, I think that they got to make some changes. I don't think that the game is dying off completely. Don't get me wrong. But it's not America's favorite pastime anymore. Let me tell you that. And everybody knows that. Football is America's favorite pastime. You know, everyone loves football. And that's the number one sport. It used to be baseball. Everyone used to love baseball. It's football now. And and Did the home runs and all that do anything? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Not necessarily, I guess. But it's, it's the quickness of the games. It's the pace of the games. Because the games used to be a lot better. Now they're slower. So... We'll have to see what they do to make these up. I mean, you know, you look how long it took for baseball to get instant replay, for God's sake. So we'll see if the pitch clock and all that stuff will actually be added. Um, you know, like I said, we'll just have to wait and see. But that is going to do it for today's episode. Kind of a shorter one. And, um, but, you know, want to get an episode out every single week here on the Sports Talk Podcast. Hope that you enjoy it again. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Sports Talk RF to uh, send, me, send a tweet over about anything that we talked about during the show. And then you can also follow my personal Twitter account at and 12 if you wanted to, because I'm always live tweeting during games and always tweeting other stuff that's pretty cool. And of course, you can always post a comment if you wanted to on the Podbean website, sports with sportstalkwithryanforan.podbean.com. Just updated it, got a new layout, so I hope that you guys have been enjoying that. And of course, always check out my new YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash 4 you, And then of course, you can always follow the YouTube Twitter account at 4 you. Anyways, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back with an all-new episode of the Sports Talk Podcast next week. Hope everyone has a good weekend and a good week after that. And we will uh, talk to you later. (laughs) Bye-bye.